Um, we are going to end the year, I suppose, with, as I said, a well-known passage in the Gospel of John. We're going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. John 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word. It's on page... Uh, 1645 in your pew Bibles, most of them. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen as well. John 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, have you ever noticed how the Gospels begin? And I'm sure you have when you think about it. The Gospels of, of Matthew and Luke, we've had quite a bit of that in the last month. But those Gospels, Matthew and Luke, begin in a way that we would expect, right? With the story of Jesus' birth. They talk about Bethlehem and the angels and the stable and the shepherds and the wise men and everything else that goes with the Christmas story. Mark, on the other hand, is in such a hurry that, that he can't even be bothered with all of that. He goes straight to the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River with John the Baptist. These three Gospels we sometimes call the synoptic Gospels. And what they have in common is that they all begin, as it were, with Jesus down here on earth already in the flesh. Okay, that's what they have in common. But John begins his gospel in a totally other way, a total different way. He tells us right up front 
that Jesus is the Son of God. And so John 1 pushes us right from the cradle in Bethlehem to the one through whom all things were created. He begins with this view from above. His eyes are obviously turned toward heaven. And as he begins to tell the story of Jesus, he pens some of the most extraordinary words that have ever been written. The word becomes flesh. Jesus Christ is the light shining in our present darkness that illuminates our way and lights a fire within us as well so that we can shine and testify regarding him. The prologue of John's gospel utilizes all of this staggering imagery imagery that I think we do well to uh, bring with us into a new year. Because here we are introduced to the incarnate God, the creator, the life, the light. We are also introduced to uh, the children born of God, witnesses to the light, of whom I hope that each and every one of us counts ourselves apart, and also those who have chosen to reject the light. Indeed, among these profound images in John's gospel, it is the image of light that is most powerful to me. It is a light that fractures all of the darkness through the word that has become flesh. Can almost sense the entire creation, the entire universe groaning for and yielding to the one who is and who was and who is to come. The imagery of the word putting on flesh and breaking into human history for our sakes is obviously a source of hope and joy for us today and as we go into a brand new year. The word through which all things were created has come to save all of creation from its present darkness. The word is the light of the world who is with God in the beginning and is God and has come to bring us light and life found it interesting. I'm not much of a science guy, but I came across this article written by Paul Lee Tan, and he was writing about light. He was writing that light is constituted by three different rays or, or three different groups of wavelengths. These three wavelengths are distinct from each other, but, but no one without the others could constitute light. Each ray has a separate function from the other rays, and yet in some sense, those three rays are just one. Scientists believe that the, the function of the first ray is to originate, to be the initiator of bringing light into being. It is called the invisible light because it's not felt and it's not seen, but evidence overwhelmingly suggests that it's there. 
The function of the, the second ray or second wavelength is to illuminate. And this ray is both seen and felt. There's no question of its presence because the evidence for this ray is undeniable. And the function of the third ray or wavelength is to consummate. This ray is not seen either, but its presence is undeniable because it's, it's felt as heat, okay? And I thought that was very interesting. And to me anyway, and I hope for you too, that you can see how the nature of light could kind of help us to at least get some semblance of understanding about uh, the Trinity, the triune God that we worship, of whom the Son is one of three persons. It also helps us to appreciate the theological depth of the statement that we just read in our passage, the word is the true light. It provides an excellent way to think about the unity and the continuity of the relationship between the triune God and the word made flesh, our source of light, as John describes it in his prologue. Like the first ray or wavelength of light, God the Father is invisible. We cannot see him. The Bible tells us that God is spirit and that, that those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We cannot see God the Father, but, but all of creation bears witness to the, the creative work and life of God. The narrative in Genesis 1 or in John 1, simply says this, in the beginning, God created. The invisible qualities of God are understood through the things that God has made. And the word was present with God from the very beginning, creating, radiating, and even then providing for us. Like the second ray of light, the word, Jesus Christ, was both seen and felt. John reminds us this morning that, that God took on flesh and made his dwelling, his home among us so that humanity could see and feel God, see Jesus Christ when he came into this world, uh, represented a presence of God that people had never before been able to enjoy. On Christmas, we knelt beside the manger to behold the Christ child, to celebrate the long-awaited baby born to save the world. But here, John 1 moves us to celebrate the, the pre-existent world and the pre-existent word, the one who loved us so much that he came to overcome the darkness caused by our sin and rebellion with his light, an unstoppable light. The darkness of the world, sin, unbelief, poverty, war, crime, even death are conquered once and for all by the true light of our Savior. His light extinguishes our darkness so that we can be fearless as we go through this life, knowing that nothing in this world or in this life can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, as we read scripture, we encounter the works of the word. 
And we feel his presence through the Holy Spirit every moment of every day as we travel through life. The word is a a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And like that third ray, when we make that personal connection with God, we cannot see God, but we experience the heat and the fire of God's presence within us. Actually, what we have in this program is in this prologue is a bit like um, the overture of an operatic piece. You know, in an overture, all of the themes that are going to be developed and and worked out throughout an entire um, opera or concerto or whatever it may be are kind of introduced in little snippets in the overture. And it's, it's kind of like what the prologue of John's gospel functions as as well. So the reference here in the prologue to light and life and glory, etc., are all issues and concepts that, that John is going to develop and expand upon throughout his gospel. He wants us to see, for example, that from the fullness of the grace of Jesus Christ, we have received one blessing after another. And how have we received all of these wonderful blessings? Well, verse 12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We receive God's blessing by believing in the name of Jesus Christ. And incidentally, that is the very reason why John gives for writing his entire gospel. That is why he focuses so intently on Jesus in order that we might believe. And as John talks about Jesus, there are actually three stages of glory that unfold over the course of these 18 verses. The first stage has to do with the origin of Jesus. Verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Look at those three words in English, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. What does that make you think of? Those of you who are paying close attention this morning will, will know immediately what John is doing here, because When he begins his gospel with the words in the beginning, he is drawing our attention all the way back to the beginning of God's word. Because the book of Genesis begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so what John is saying to us is this, at the moment when creation came into being, the word of God, namely Jesus Christ, already was. He already had existence. The word was with God and the word was God. Now, perhaps we don't always think about it, but as Christians, we stake our life on that little phrase. The word was God, because if Jesus is not God, then we are still enslaved and condemned by our sin. If Jesus is not the true God, the very God of the same substance as the Father, then we are lost in this present darkness and without hope. 
Jesus is God. John testifies to that truth. So that's the first stage of glory. The second stage of Jesus' glory has to do with creation. Three verse four, or verses three and four. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Two things John tells us here. That Jesus created everything, and that Jesus is the one who sustains everything that has been created. That is the truth, and it is so simple to understand. Jesus made everything and sustains everything. Both creation and providence, then, are in the hands of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who loved us enough to die for us. Our creation and our providence are in the hands of Jesus Christ. He may be unrecognized by the world, but look again. He is God, not only because he pre-existed with the Father from before creation, but all the characteristics of God are manifested by him. And I think that when John refers to Jesus as the creator and sustainer of all things, the particular message that he wants to get across to us is that Jesus is the one who is coming again. The particular message that John wants to get across in saying that Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things is that he is the one who is coming again. He is the one that we are looking forward to. And he's coming not only to save people like you and me, giving us the gift of faith so that we might believe in him, he is also coming to usher in and establish a new creation. So that is the second stage of Jesus' glory. The third stage of Jesus' glory has to do with his incarnation. The Son of God took on human flesh and form in all of its weakness. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, flesh is a biblical word that refers to humanity in all of its weakness and frailty. So then John tells us that when Jesus was born, when Jesus became incarnate, when the only true God took to himself, in addition to his deity, also humanity, he took humanity, as the Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it, in its low condition. Jesus actually, physically came into this world and he made his dwelling among us so that he could perfectly represent us as Lord and Savior, as the second Adam. And so do you know what this prologue is intended to do? I don't think it's necessarily meant to bring complete comprehension to those who read it. I think it's meant to stir in us wonder and awe and reverence to give us a sense, a sight, a little glimpse of our Savior's glory, the glory of Jesus Christ. 
You know, Robert Louis Stevenson, the author of Treasure Island, suffered from poor health for, for much of his childhood. There's a story told about him that one night a, a nurse walked into his room to find him with his, his nose pressed against the frosty glass of his bedroom window. She told him, child, come away from there. You're going to catch your death of cold. But young Robert did not move. He stayed pressed up against that cold glass. He was completely mesmerized as he watched an old lamplighter slowly working his way through the black night down the street, lighting each street lamp along his route. Pointing his fingers out of sheer excitement, Robert said to his nurse, See, look, there is a man poking holes in the darkness. There is a man poking holes in the darkness. Brothers and sisters, the word, our Savior Jesus Christ, came to bring an unstoppable great light to humanity. And not only does he give us the gift of his great light, he also empowers us to poke little holes of light into the darkness of our world as well by his strength and in his name. As John noted, we are not the true light. Rather, we testify to the light of Jesus, and we reflect the light of Jesus. We are children of God who manifest the light of God within our hearts and within our lives. Jesus, our Savior, the word that became flesh shattered the darkness so that we too might overcome the darkness and experience life and light. And with those words, I pray that we would be encouraged going into a new year. Amen. Let's pray.